Hey everyone, it's Tom Kratz and we have another podcast ready for you. This one's with Stu Harrison, a home inspector we've used here at Rockstar with many Rockstar investors for years and years. He's an all-around great guy. We start talking about silver at the beginning of this. Wait to hear some of his silver stories. You're not going to believe what you're about to hear. Um, or maybe I'm just too fascinated by silver and I was all into it, but wait to hear this. And we do get into some home inspection topics, just like what are the primary things as investors we should be looking at in home inspections. We cover some of the basics. He shares some stories. Good guy. I like chatting with him a lot. And if you're listening to this and you want some real estate information, I want to share something that most people don't know about. It's one of our books. So if you go to rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash books, we have four different books we give away there for free. One of the ones is Income for Life that you may have heard of. Uh, heard of. That's the most popular one. Um, but then there's the Your Life, Your Terms book where every chapter is written by different investors sharing their own personal story. That book has been really good at convincing a spouse or friend who is a little bit skeptical about real estate estate to get started with real estate with you. So if you have that kind of situation, you may want to check out that book. We have Canadian Real Estate Investing Lessons from the Streets. That's a collection of blog posts, actually, that we put together. But the book I really want to talk to you about is the Canadian Real Estate Investing Blueprint. That's on this page. You can download it. And it's probably some of the best information we've put into book format ever. And the reason for that, it's very instructive. It's very how-to. So if you're dealing with, for example, rental properties or student rental properties or a rent-to-own strategy, it's all about how you find those properties and how you fill them with different tenants and how you manage those properties. We've detailed that in this book pretty um, at a pretty kind of micro level. So if you're really in the weeds and you like understanding things before you get started or you just want to refresher if you're an experienced investor, that's a great book for you to pick up for um, a really a how-to approach on rental properties, student rental properties, or rent-to-own properties. That's the Canadian Real Estate Investing Blueprint, and you can get a copy of that book at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash books. You can also get a copy of all our different uh, books there. We give away free copies of the books there. And the reason that we give them away free, I don't think there's a big secret to this, we're trying to share a lot, as much value as we can in hopes that one day maybe we'll work together. And that's why we give away these books. We actually sell sell them on Amazon as well. You can buy the books, but we give away the free PDF versions of the books um, on that website. And with that, I just want to uh, remind you about one thing. We're still in the middle of getting doors to my office put in, my new office here, and some acoustical uh, paneling on the ceiling and on the walls. So we still have some echoes happening in the audio. Um, thank you for bearing with us through this time while we're doing while we're, uh, we're getting to where we want to be on the audio. Um, but it does feel good sitting down at our uh, nice black walnut table and getting uh, these podcasts going in the new office. I do feel pretty lucky and pretty grateful. And we really get a, a, a lot of... I don't know, we were pumped to be able to do these podcasts and share this information with you. So enough of that. Stu's a great guy. Let's get on with the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. Okay, we are live with Stu from Capstone Property. What's the third? Is there a word, third word it's, here? Cap yeah, Capstone Property Consultants. Oh, you're a consultant. Oh, yes. You know, I oh, tried, I didn't I, know you were a consultant. I tried to keep it nice and broad so people <laughs> wouldn't think, oh, that's all he does. So You're a consultant. I'm Got a consultant. it. I like that. I like that a lot. But you do do primarily home inspections. Yeah. Do so, you do other things as well or has that become your bread and butter? No, it's, it's probably, I would say like... 
99% home inspections. And then you'll get the odd time where somebody will call me and say, oh, my basement's leaking. Can you come have a look? Or, you know, hey, like, remember that huge wind we had way back? A couple of years ago, right? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. it was like, oh, you got to see like, all my shingles gone or just half of them. So, you know, they, you know, pay me some money and I'd go up there. So it's mostly, it's all home related, but it, the home inspection is kind of the bread and butter. And then there's like the side. You just reminded me of a time where we called our home inspector that we don't, this guy, I think he's actually out of the business. This is years ago, but we had a tenant who told us that the, he told us something about the house was wrong. I forget what it was. Something about like the oxygen content or something like, I, it was like this weird, I can't even remember. And we're like, okay. And we didn't know what to do. So we called our home inspector right? and we said, Hey, can you go over there? And I, the home inspector went there and I think he had some device that I'd never heard of. I don't even think it was a, I don't know if it was a proper like oxygen air quality meter. I don't even like know. Like a CO meter maybe. I don't or, know. He walked yeah. around the house with something and he called me from there saying, Tom, everything's absolutely fine um, in this house, but I've been in the basement and the dog they have is crapping and oh. urinating in the basement and it's all down here. So if there's any smell or anything going on with this house, I think it's actually, they're not taking their dog outside. It's just in your in the basement oh, of this house. It's just what you want to hear. Yeah. So <laughs> anyway, we got through that uh, all okay, but uh, that's when we called a home inspector to go in after the home inspection. Right. So it really helped us out for him to go through that and see that yeah, and, and report it back and to And let us. him suffer through yeah. the smells and the, yeah. Totally. It was one of those situations where we tell everybody to make sure you're doing inspections on your own property like once a quarter or at least twice a year. Absolutely. But then we ourselves weren't doing that I, on our own property. <laughs> I'm the same. Like people are like, oh yeah, you you must be doing so well. Like looking at it and I'm like, you know, I'd be a total hypocrite if I told you, oh yeah, do this, do this. Because I don't do anything. Yeah, I know. The insurance totally companies should. are buckling down more and more. Like before it was like twice a year when the child the, when the clocks changed, you kind of changed was always like the time we told everyone to, to go and do an inspection. Yeah. But lately, some of the insurance companies are really asking that you go by once a quarter and stuff like that. But I don't want to talk about insurance companies. We'll talk, we'll talk yeah, about that. Yeah. After. What I really want to talk about before we get into some home inspection stuff is this chest in front of you. So you got to <laughs> tell me what the heck is happening here. So I started making my own silver, uh, like not silver mining it, but you're actually melting it down into to unique stuff. And uh, my wife thought it'd be nice to have like a little treasure chest i don't know if she was making fun of me at the time like oh here you go mr pirate here's your chest but i gotta tell you there is a certain unique thrill of opening that up and having this like uh, glint you know meet you and then that sound i love me too me too Okay, we are back on. We just had a little glitch there with my headphones. But yeah, the, the clicking sound of the silver. Where are you getting the silver to melt it down? So unfortunately, I have to do it just like everybody else. Go to one of those shops and buy. I So I usually go to the place in um, Kitchener. And uh, the name totally escapes me. I'll remember. Oh, um, oh, Colonial Acres. Okay. And I, they basically have a little bucket of kind of weird rounds. So it's stuff that people bring in, trade in, whatever. And it's usually a buck or two less than what you'd buy like a Canadian maple. Because for. a round isn't certified. It's not like 999 silver or something, right? So these ones are, but they're made um, like, um, I'm trying to think of, there's a there's a company in, in the States that just does rounds and they're all 999. Um, they're silver, but they're not um, they're not a monetary thing. Like you couldn't actually take it to a bank and say, give me... Exactly. Like anyone does that anymore, right. but I see what you're saying. Got right. it. Yeah, yeah. So it's not a monetary traded thing. And I've got a, um, 
a set of or a little bucket here of uh, Dude, those are like BBs. Yeah, it's like silver shot, silver grain. You're looking to kill some vampires. I would totally. I think that's <laughs> awesome. Make like a you know an actual silver blade. Or something. No, that's totally nerdy. But uh, I found. No, out, dude, it's not nerdy. I love this stuff. <laughs> you have a little vial I have of a vial little silver. Looks like BB silvers, yeah. silver BBs. So I bought this thinking, oh, it's silver, but this is considered a non-monetary product, so you have to pay tax on silver. Oh yeah, and that's I didn't. Bullshit. Yeah, and Forget I didn't that. know after that, and I was like, "Are you kidding me? You guys are going to get me with tax on this?" So, anyways, that's that's all I got. Yeah, I got it. And then this one uh, that came from India. So oh my, my gosh, wife, that is so cool. So you can't see this, but Stu literally has a chest in front of a wooden. It's a literally a, wood, a mini wooden pirate chest. Is basically is. what you walked in here with, it but with quite is. a bit of silver in it, man. Yeah, I've been collecting that, for a while, and then you know sometimes I'll, I'll get a bunch and like, oh, you know, I've got a day here, so I, I would like to make something. Right, and I I started with um, copper, and it's crazy hard to to melt stuff down, make the and by the time I was done with the copper, it was worth three cents. Why is that? It's just copper has no real value, right? Okay, guys. So you were toying around with the copper, you were making molds and stuff. Yeah, with like, it, and then at the end of the day, it was worth nothing. It was worth nothing. So I was like, eh, you know, maybe I should move to a product that at least at the end of the day has some intrinsic value. Yeah. So then I found uh, working with silver is, is a little bit easier than copper it's about the same melting temperature but like you say when you're done you've got something that's oh my God. that's just awesome you have a mandalorian i have a mandalorian i have a, you have a darth vader a stormtrooper and you, a uh, darth, darth vader you, you made these these mold how did you make these yourself so this is a Dude, nice you have a silver darth vader it's an ice cube tray from amazon and you pour wax into it and so you get the 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 positive of the mold and then there's this product called petrobond it's like a like a sand basically and you press that mold into it. And then because it can take such incredible high temperatures, I can pour silver directly into it. Because what do you, I don't understand this. You're, okay, let me get this right. You go to the store in Kitchener, you buy these rounds of silver, pure silver. Pure silver. Um, not monetary grade silver or whatever classified silver, but it's pure silver. Right. You take this home. You go into your basement, I assume. Well, actually, I got kicked out of the basement because oh, I set okay. it on fire. So. No. <laughs> yes, I totally did. A home inspector sends his, <laughs> his, sets his basement on fire? Yeah, my, uh, my wife wasn't happy. She's like, she comes in and it smelled like there was like a wood, you know, that pleasant wood smell smoke smell when people have a fireplace she's like we don't have a fireplace why does our house smell like it was on fire and i'm like well so the workbench downstairs had a small conflagration so, so, so where I, are you doing it now in, in the garage okay, uh, got i, I got okay, kicked got out of that and so what do you have like a smelting pot yeah it's like this little it's uh it's called a micro furnace and it's basically this little tiny electric kiln uh, you can really fairly accurately set the temperature, and it's got a little graphite crucible. You throw the silver in, turn it on. Probably 30 minutes later, you've got a molten puddle of 1,000, well, 1,100 degrees Celsius silver. And then I usually work Dude, with... you are crazy. I love this. <laughs> yeah, okay. you know, I, I have all my fingers and all my toes, so you guys out there can't see that, but I'm, in, I'm intact. I haven't burnt anything off. Um, and yeah, you just I pour it into graphite. I pour it into the Petrobond. It, and I'll go to like, um, like we were in Greece uh, last year and I, every little trinket market I would pick up because anything that can make an impression, I can make. You can use it as a mold. And right. I can see that in your treasure chest. Here. Yeah. Like I can make it out of silver. Dude, you have a coffin. Yeah. So with the, a skull on it. Of course. See, that's what, that's what I mean. Like every, every uh, guy that has silver has a skull somewhere. I have no, and I asked the guy at the, the coin shop, I was like, why is everything have skulls. a skull? And he goes, I don't know. The guys just love it. It's the pirates, dude. It's pirate. Because pirates had skulls. I guess so. You don't understand. When we go to Croatia in the summer, that one of the cities that's close to us is called Omish. It's Omish, Croatia. Yep. The history of this town is that 
this was a pirate hideout. And the way it is, is there's some islands right in front of it, really close to the shore. Right. And then pirates would, I guess they would oh, go do their raids. They would right. swing around this island and then they would come into this port. And the port is basically like a river, a freshwater river that comes out into the Adriatic Sea. They would race up this freshwater river about maybe half a kilometer. And there's these two mountain kind of peaks on either side of this river that basically make it impenetrable. Like no one, if you're not going through the river, you're not getting past that point. Right. And then up top, they have a big fort built where I guess they just used to pepper people that would like try to attack them. So they would go do their raids. They would come into That's this. Awesome. It's so awesome. And so in this area, they do like every time we're there, they do pirate like parades and pirate <laughs> stuff. And they're and I'm always thinking there's silver and gold hidden in these hills I somewhere. I know there's silver it. and gold. I it. There's in some guy's yard. <laughs> totally. Totally. Not, not, not yours. No, 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 not mine. Not mine. But somewhere, somewhere there's silver and gold hidden oh, in this absolutely. area. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, and I think that's where it must come from because I was just showing you my skull head. Mine's a, what, this is a 10 ounce. Yeah, this yeah. is 10 ounces of silver. And uh, it's funny because people see this skull and they don't think anything of it. They right. don't think it's worth anything. And I'm like, man, there's not that's 10 ounces of silver sitting right there. I'm that's, so proud. And you made us this awesome rock star, uh, basically the coin medallion. Yeah. So that would be a round, I guess. Yeah. This is like a round. Yeah. Sometimes I have dreams of actually wearing this thing. I'm like, is this like a too big to wear? And then I look at it on my chest. I'm like, yeah, okay. That's too big to wear. But uh, I did not know you had such a treasure chest of this stuff. Yeah. So it's basically, so I, I actually bought or I built a, uh, a CNC machine, which is like a little engraving machine. Um, so you can get these bricks of um, graphite. And then with the CNC machine, you can cut in whatever design you could make online. And so a lot of this stuff like, is my own creation. Like, a, like You have this, an alien here. You have an alien head that's, on yeah. a coin. So that was for my brother, actually. He was like... Uh, He's a big UFO guy. Yeah, we were both into that, you know, that crazy ancient aliens just for yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I watch that on like History TV. Yeah, has these things on my YouTube channel popping up all the time. Oh my, my, my YouTube feed that I'm watching all the time. And these one, these were my original inspiration. So this was the very first thing I ever built. And it's, these are beautiful, man. Yeah, so that's a, that's a mold I actually got off a guy on eBay. And then this is one I actually cut myself. This looks like an Inca thing. Or yeah. Some... So that's, that's what this is based on. And then this is the Pirates of the Caribbean coin. Oh, very cool. Dude, you have a lot of silver in front of me right here. I might be keeping this silver. You might not be leaving. And, and okay, so uh, now, so the, the cool part is that you make all this silver. Why do you even play with silver? Like I talk about gold and silver all the time because to me, you know, some people laugh when, when they see me wearing a, a gold chain, which I don't have on. I was at the gym. I left it in my gym bag. I'm always panicking. Like, oh my yep. gosh, is it still there? But I, I often wear a gold chain. It's not to be flashy by any means. To me, it's a symbol that like I understand the monetary. I know how yeah. ridiculous this sounds. No, no. That I understand the monetary system. I understand what's going on yep. with interest rates. And this gold chain just represents that, like, I'm in the know. <laughs> it sounds right. ridiculous. Like, it totally sounds ridiculous. I'm wearing my bank account. I, I'm totally wearing the bank account on, <laughs> on my neck. And uh, and then, obviously, Nick and I like silver and the whole bit and the physical stuff. Um, why did you get into this? Was it similar reasons? It was exactly the same. It's just, you know, you're looking at every day you look and your money is worth less and less and less. And after you get to a certain age, I think when you're in your 20s, you're oblivious to it because you're just doing your life. And But as you get older and you're starting to pay the bills, and buying the house and you realize holy crap you know, like my groceries now are $50 more than they used to be for the exact same thing and so you start thinking of kind of not so much making money but at least controlling it and making sure it doesn't get worth less um, and the other thing too is I, I do have this vision of you know when I pass away and my kids find my safe in the basement they're told, there's going to be a treasure chest yeah there's going to be a treasure chest and it'll be like Al Capone's vault where they open it up and they're like oh my god but uh, no, it was just, it's all about having like a monetary 
stockpile, I guess, for lack of a better word, that that's not going to depreciate in value. Yeah. And I, and I'm the exact same way. Sometimes people will ask me, they're like, well, what is the, uh, what's the cost of your silver right now? And, and I, and my response is like, you don't understand. I don't actually care. I just want to own some precious metals in my life. I'm not interested in the price that it is today or tomorrow. Right. This is a, you made a huge, this is a, this is a hotel. You made a monopoly hotel, uh, yeah. but this is a big size monopoly that's, hotel. That's the five ounce house. And then this other little guy over there is the one ounce house. That's the one you gave me before. Don't try and steal that's that one right. back. You give me the little one ounce. I'm going to steal the five ounce. I'm trading my one ounce little house for the five ounce. Oh, you made another rockstar one. So I keep wow, all that them. one's really good. I know that's number one. That, that one came out really clean. So yeah, I, I, I keep like all these. the number ones. Yeah. Very uh, cool. And I see, I gave you and uh, Nick both one i see you ended up with three so that's how you are in the uh, oh the got it i'm third order. in the pecking order you're, you're one nick's two i'm yeah. third okay got it and then there's the uh, the lion shields which yeah, are, yeah the lion shields cool and then man. i wanted Some something the... that was completely so that's the old uh illuminati you know conspiracy all that other oh my gosh so cool it's just funny to, it's you know a, what it's maybe cool the picture for this episode of the podcast will take a picture with us in front of all the silver just so if you're listening to this if you go to rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash podcast you find this episode you'll see all this silver and just this don't, is crazy. Uh, don't look at my address that's all I have. no yeah yeah or we won't take the picture of you if you don't want to either <laughs> but the mandalorian these these masks one the, i know these star wars ones these are just incredible yeah I actually uh it was, it's kind of goofy but i actually i have a little display case and they sit by my bed yeah so no. i can you know i can see it's totally not goofy man I can i'm, see I'm, them every I'm day. a geek right there with you i'm i'm really into this stuff this is uh this is too cool um Okay, so how long, and, and by the way, how long you've been doing this, how long you've been interested in silver and gold, last few um, years kind of thing? Yeah, probably since, when did I join, I, you know, it, it's, I, I don't know if there's a coincidence there, but around 2013 when I actually started with Rockstar. Okay, good, so, so we brainwashed you into pretty, gold and yeah, silver. Yeah, pretty, pretty much. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. I've joined the gold. Uh, cool, cool. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, okay, I wanted to ask you also um, about just home inspections for someone who's listening to this, like a new investor, mm -hmm. when they're going into a property. I feel like you know, we've been, Nick and I've been through so, so through so many home inspections, we have a pretty good feel yep. for them, but like, can you outline, you know, when you talk to someone, you like, is there like something you say to people? Like, cause we always tell people, Hey, look for the big things. Like check out the roof, look at the windows. What do you tell a new investor? Cause you work with a lot of rockstar members and right. as investors who yep. are buying properties. Some are buying condos, but a whole bunch of townhomes, semi-detached, fully detached. You did a home inspection on a 12-unit building uh, that I was at before. Yeah. You've done home inspections on some weird properties. Remember Paul found one weird one out in Scarborough that was like a house converted into like a five-plex or something? <laughs> we were on the roof, yeah. jumping up and down, I think, on the roof. I think, uh, but is there like an outline? Like, how do you start with someone? Do you do you tell them, hey, check out the major things? Like, Yeah, basically. So when I when, when we kind of come up to the house, it's it, I want to kind of prepare them, get them mentally kind of, because a lot of people start drilling right down into, you know, what's this, what's this? And like, no, you got to kind of take a step back, look at your big systems, your roof, your furnace, your air conditioner, is your basement leaking? Like, where's your money going to go? And then from there, start kind of whittling down on the smaller items, things that you can kind of handle on a weekend versus, oh my God, there's $4,000 or there's $5,000. So, and I find with a lot of investors or newer ones, they're coming in and they're like, well, I, I really don't like the color of this bedroom or oh, these carpets have to go. I'm like, listen, your tenants aren't going to care about that. And you shouldn't care about that until all your other stuff is, is behind you. And then, you know, you can change the, this, change that, but keep your eye on the actual, where's the money going? 
Yeah, and and that's why we always tell everyone like, hey, like focus on the um, on the big things. Like you were saying, foundation for us is always a big one because Nick's never bought a house that hasn't leaked. I swear. Yeah. Every house, yeah. including his family homes, every house he owns for whatever reason has some water problem. But uh, I, I wanted to ask you something specifically about foundations because I've always liked concrete poured concrete foundations because if there's a crack, if it's like a vertical crack and not a horizontal crack, if it's a vertical crack, I always feel like ah, not a big deal. Exactly. I'm going to injection mold this thing. You bet. It's going to cost me a few hundred bucks. It's going to be better than you. If it's horizontal, that could be the sign of maybe something bigger well, yeah that's a big one that's a that's yeah, like yeah. A, a shift but what, what i wanted to get your take on is that we own houses that are block foundation mm-hmm. and i didn't know that essentially block foundation properties are porous yeah well, absolutely yeah. yeah so like when you see a block foundation house what are you checking for is there is there like like a little list or do you just look for the same thing like dryness of the foundation is, is there anything different on block foundation houses? not so much, like structurally that's the same i i equate blocks to really hard sponges because they're, they're so porous, water moves through them fairly readily. So if there's anything outside, and that's where I try and get people back outside, don't worry about what you're seeing in the basement. Go outside, where's your downspouts, where's your grating? It all sounds so simple and mundane, but 95% of the time, that could be your solution. Like if you've got a leaky corner, it could be nothing more than a bad downspout or a bad gutter that's dropping too much water in one spot, and it just can't get away, and then you have a leaky basement. So if the block is cracked or whatever i mean you always want to look for for that but usually it's water almost all the time it's water we're talking about and sometimes i'll be out in the street and if the house is older like even into a stone foundation i'll be telling people on the street we have a stone foundation house yeah and i'm like you know this basement leaks right like i'll tell you that i'll tell you that from the end of the street and some people are like what how do you know that i'm like well because it's supposed to like that was they when this house was built it was on no one's radar so Mm -hmm. it's just Mm -hmm. important to understand the house in, in the area it was built Okay, so, the, and then the block, you're hitting on something huge there because uh, we had a leak in a block foundation house and it was a downspout that was pouring out next to the foundation of the house and the ang- the slope of the soil next to it was pushing the water to the house to make right. matters even worse. Yep. And as soon as we fixed that, it totally fixed the problem. Yeah. But we went into panic mode because we saw, like, if I'm remembering correctly, the block foundation actually it started looking moist and feeling moist yep. and stuff. But once we changed the outside, we totally got through that. If if um, if block foundation, I don't think we've ever been through this, and I don't even know if you know. If block foundation starts to crack or crumble, I guess you got a big fix on your hands, right? Because yeah. you kind of have to like rip that down now. Yeah, and I, to be honest, I haven't really seen one that's got to that point. Like a lot of people do ask me, oh, you know, if it's wet, does that mean it's it's decaying? I'm like, well, no, it was designed to sit in a wet environment. So if you have one that's decaying, that's more of a kind of a random. I don't want to say one in a million, but that's not how the block was designed. So there, there may be something inherently just wrong with that particular block as opposed to something, you know, problematic with blocks in general. Okay. Yeah. And, and that's what I've always kind of thought too, because I've never seen it come to that point. But uh, okay. So that's on the foundations on wiring of a house. Do you still see like knob? Can you explain what knob and tube is? Do you still see yep. knob and tube or no? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it comes up. So knob and tube was pre I want to say 1940s. So anything before that, people would, that's how they wired house. And it's basically two strings of wire and it gets its name from the tubes it goes through as it's passing through a joist and the knob it wraps around as it changes direction. So that's where the name comes from. And it's not that knob and tube is inherently unsafe. So if you were to talk to an electrician, they'd be like, you know, I I change this stuff every day, but it's not terrible. It's just the insurance companies don't like it. That's really the hard stop. So you know, when I see people, you got to kind of calm them down for one thing, but at the same time, understand that 
they're probably not going to be able to get insurance in this day and age, right? So um, if you have it and you can get rid of it, get rid of it. Okay, got it. And then what about, what can you talk or share about aluminum wiring? Because that used to, we went, I feel like 10 years ago, people were like freaking out on aluminum wiring. And I don't know if we've come full circle because when I grew up, I worked on a lot of commercial properties and they were full of aluminum wiring. But on residential, it seems like that was an issue. Are you still seeing that as an issue that insurance companies want like a, Okay, yeah, sir. So it's it's kind of hit or miss with the insurance company. So aluminum, it's like anything that's got a, a level of risk, it becomes less and less desirable as time goes on. So insur- or, um, aluminum was installed from 65 to 75, roughly. So if your house is in that range, do anticipate that. But it used to be that you could just get an ESA inspection. So Electrical Safety Authority, they would come in, they would look at some connections and basically give you a piece of paper that said, we've looked at it, it we deem it safe. And then you can just leave it in the walls. Like it's still accepted by the electrical code as far as residential wiring, but it's not really accepted by the insurance companies or, or all of them anyways. So if you have it and you're renovating, you certainly should get rid of it because it's not going to get better with time. What is it? Is it, it's a fire hazard? Yeah. Basically the, um, the aluminum actually oxidizes. It gets like a coating mm, of rust got it. and then okay. it starts to overheat at those connections. Okay. Got it. Okay. Um, and what about when you're walking up to a house and you see the roof where the shingles are, you know, clearly starting to deteriorate? Yep. Is that immediately like we're going to have a leak or how do you look at the roof on the house when you see shingles that are, you know, are weathered? Yeah. So a lot of times, a lot of things in a house are kind of age related. So it's just like people, things go through, you know, your lifespan. And as you get closer to the end, you get more and more problems. So when I see a, like a standard builder quality shingle, typical life's 12, 15 years, if it's in that range, and I can kind of tell now, like with experience where you are in that life cycle, if you're getting close to that, then once they start to flake off, it's it's not so much leakage per se, but if the wind catches them, they're very brittle, and then they'll just come flipping off your house like playing cards, uh, and then you get a leak for sure. Okay, so that's more the risk, that they're brittle, and they're going to fly off on right. a windstorm. Right. Okay, because my experience has been that if you see like 20-year shingles, they don't last 20 years. No, like 10 to in 12. the bag. <laughs> yeah, 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 okay, in the like, bag. Is that like, a joke? Okay, in yeah, the bag. Yeah, yeah you, so you see that too. Oh, all the time. Because like 30-year shingles, and it's like you're 15 years in, these things are totally garbage. Yeah, so just as a rule of thumb, if it says it's a 25-year shingle at 15 tops, if it's a 40-year shingle, like 25 years tops. Okay, got it, So got it's it. like half. Okay. Okay. So foundation, um, concrete, vertical cracks, we can get through okay with injection molding. Horizontal ones might be a bigger issue that you should definitely be checked definitely, out. Yeah. Wiring, knob and tube and aluminum we covered. Shingles, we talked about there briefly. What about chimneys on some older houses? Do you, uh, I often see them, excuse me, with cracks or, you know, they're yep. starting to deteriorate. What, what do you, do you, do you recommend like we, I guess, we have a couple that need repair really? we've just left <laughs> yeah. and it's probably time to repair them. I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I don't want them to freaking fall off the house, yeah, but so do you see that often? Very much. So what happens with just cause they're out there, it's kind of like sticking your finger in the wind, right? So that's your chimney. Um, so it's one of these things where I, I always call them slow motion failures. Like it's not going to happen today. It's not going to happen tomorrow. It might not even happen for years, but it's going to slowly decay over time to the point where you know, if it starts dropping and you see like faces of the bricks on the ground below, then yeah, you got to call in a mason and, and it's hard to get a mason for yeah, such a small job. That's it. And a lot of times they're going to come out and say, you know what? I'm just going to take that thing from the roof up. Like I can fix it, but that's not a very good job for me. And I don't want you calling me back in three weeks because another one fell off. So I, my recommendation is going to be, you know, take it off. So if you have a situation where you've got a slowly degrading chimney, 
you can either elect to take it down or continue like a like think of it just like a consumable in the house it's just you gotta keep fixing keep fixing yeah got it okay okay and then what about now during the home inspection when you climb into the attic or you look in the attic there's a couple of things i've always stuck out of my mind that we've dealt with either the insulation is old if it's an older house and people are freaking out about yes. some vermiculite or some asbestos type stuff i don't know do you still talk about this stuff oh or is that God. back in the day you know it's uh, funny because when you uh, when you sent me the email saying hey you know things you don't want to people obsess over and it's 90% of the time it's in the, in the attic. So mold and asbestos. Okay. So can you talk us through this? Like what do you freak out over and what do you are expect to almost see and you can live with? So on a side split or a back split, you know, one of those little houses where you've got kind of a half a story above the other one. And they always have very, very low attics. Like if you get in there, you've maybe got three feet over your head. They're almost always moldy. And what I'm trying to tell people, and, and it, it, I don't know why, maybe I'm just not a very convincing sounding person, but I'm like, you're not going to get sick and die here. This is not what we're talking you about. You say the word mold, people freak oh, out. Oh, yes. yes. People, yeah. Okay, so why are they not going to get sick and, uh, sick and die? So right now, as we sit in your beautifully brand new office, we are sucking in mold spores. Like the human body is designed to, to, to deal with it. So the air in your house acts like a chimney. It's always moving up, always moving up. So it ends up in the attic as moist warm air and that's how your mold takes root but it's never coming down unless you were to put a fan in your attic hatch and start sucking that air out of there you're not really going to commingle with that so it's more people's uh, anxiety like it's it's not a real reality based thing it's i'm worried about mold and then i know it's over my head it's up there watching me yeah, you know, got like it, got it. Thing, so. Can you just cut in better ventilation and air it out? Or once it's in there, that's not enough. If you really wanted to get it out, you have to pay to get it remediated out that's properly. It. Yeah, okay. once, once it's in there, it's in there. You either remediate it or you change the roof. Like if, if your shingles are coming due in the next year or two, if I can solely convince you to just wait, you're not gonna get, you're not gonna die. Just wait and do the whole roof at once with brand new sheeting and then put better ventilation in so it doesn't reoccur and move on with your life. What about the insulation in there? I just remember doing crazy tests on insulation. Like, I don't even, I can't even remember what vermiculite is. What is that? Is that a type of old insulation that yeah, has asbestos or something? That's right, yeah. So okay. it was 30s to the 50s, even into the 60s they were using it. It looks like this, um, it looks like shiny little rocks in your, in your attic. And probably 50% of the time that, wherever they got that stuff from, had asbestos in it. So it's got an asbestos content. And again, it's a non-issue because you're not up there. You're not disturbing it. Now, if you're doing a renovation, and that's usually the first question I ask is, do you guys, are you, are you doing a renovation? Do you have any plans for pot lights or anything like that? Uh, and if the answer is no, then, you know, it's fine. But the reality is everybody from this point forward is going to freak out about it. Totally. We should have never said it. Everyone yeah. could have just slept easy. Yeah, that's Great. Right. Now you're gonna have to answer tons of questions that's, about it, Stu. And you I know apologize what? in advance. It's so funny because when I, I go in the attic, I'll pop the hatch and I'll look down and I'm like, okay, here we go. Here I, we gotta, go. I, gotta, I got to explain I gotta, it. I got to you know, like yeah, yeah. flip through the speech book. Okay, yeah. here's what we got. And yeah, and, and it's good for everyone to know what they have, but you're right. People, especially if you're a new investor and you haven't dealt with this stuff, yeah. the biggest panic we had is when on one of our properties, we discovered that we had asbestos siding and the tenant in there was completely freaking out. And then we freaked out yep. and they were calling environmental environment Canada on us. And like, it just got crazy. And then these, the remediation company that we called, they're like, is anyone like cutting into these or like removing them? We're like, no, they're just on the house. They're like, well, as long as no one like, 
disturbs them, Eat they're them. totally fine. Like just leave them there. But yeah. if you're going to remove them, hire us because the dust that's kicked up exactly. from the removal, we should probably ca- capture that. I'm fully convinced that in my construction uh, days when I worked for my <laughs> father, my father made me put insulation on a, on a parking garage, multiple oh. lever, levels. I looked up while I put this insulation on those little spikes yeah. that you would then oh. put a holder on and little pieces of like asbestos, I'm convinced, entered into my body. I remember sometimes I would go home, I couldn't like breathe for like a couple <laughs> days. Like my chest just felt like full of like something. You go to the doctor something. and they're thinking you're, yeah, you're yeah, working on yeah, mine and, or and something. It, I, we never wore a mask or anything. So I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm not worried about this house. I'm worried about what my own family put me through as slave labor in my Safety's father's construction company. <laughs> yeah, totally. Holy smoke. But anyway, um, and so the other kind of the other side of the asbestos thing is that in like prior to say 1950s, I mean, even as late as the 80s, there's asbestos in drywall, plaster, a lot of the the kind of the parts of the home. They used to wrap the ductwork in it. So to your point about the tenant freaking out, that's that's one of the main reasons I even talk about it with people. It's like, here it is. It's not hurting anybody. It's fine. You can leave it alone. It's not illegal. It's not illegal. I'm only reason we're having this conversation is I don't want you to be in a situation where your tenant calls you up and says, I'm dying of asbestosis and it's your fault. And because that's not the case, like yeah, these, there's a reality to it. And a lot of people respond to fear versus. So it's good that reality. you're sharing. And, and mold is the other one. I remember somebody freaking out on one of our properties because of, they thought the mold in the shower was like killing them. Yeah. And we're like, this is actually, we went to go look at the situation. It was like mildew. Yeah. Like it was like yeah, mildew yeah. that from a shower buildup or like, Hey, just yeah. clean the shower. Yeah. Like just clean Clean. the shower and you won't have this like we can't produce a house that doesn't have a mildew buildup if you're going to shower and like not clean up after yourself over time i know and uh i remember walking away from that thing like i don't know this is crazy like they thought they really thought there was this mold buildup and it was just like their their shower had to be just just maintained and the funny thing with mold and mildew some molds look like mildew some mildew looks like you could only tell in a laboratory but and i guess that's what makes it tricky to be fair right and what i tell people is who cares what it is Get a sponge and some hot water and clean it. Yes. Yeah. You know what <laughs> I mean? Makes the funniest. We had a situation where um, there was a, a there was water in a basement, and I guess a mold did build up on the back of the drywall during the renovation. And yeah. when we opened it and we looked behind it, we're like, oh, this drywall is like all moldy back here. And I guess uh, one of his friends that he owned this property with was going to start hiring a remediation company. And Nick was like, give me a mask. Yeah. I'm going in. And he just like ripped through <laughs> it down it. to the cement and down to the studs and removed all the studs even. Yeah. And it was cleaned out and I think Nick had cleaned it up in like two hours yeah. it was just done. <laughs> so I, I had a house in Mississauga and we found some mold. It was in the bathroom and he hired a company against my recommendation and it was $2,500 for the, the assessment and the names, like there were 14, 15 letter names in Latin of the all the things that were in the house and I'm like, okay, so break down, is any of this toxic? Oh no, no, this is all just normal background stuff. And I'm like, this is terrifying. It's like, terrifying when you don't know and you right. see it. And, and actually, uh, to, and to Nick's credit, he did look into it one time because we were dealing with something in a property. And I think we discovered that like 98 or 99% of all those molds that get listed off, they're, they're, none of them are toxic. You're no, right. It's just, like there's one to 2% that we do have to be aware of, yeah, are serious, yeah. you should address them. And this whole talk isn't to avoid that by any means. Right. It's to just, do the right thing right. at all times. But in general, it's not like the panic that everybody goes into. Exactly. 
Okay, so so the the, the attic stuff, um, electrical. We talked about plumbing. What do you ch- plumbing kind of like? Is it standard stuff? Flush the toilet? Like the, uh, yeah, it's if it's leaking, and then sometimes you get the odd time where you know I come the home handyman. Although I am a home handyman, full disclosure. Um, yeah, well, yeah, you almost lit your basement on fire, yeah. <laughs> brewing up some silver batches. <laughs> so if if I go in and, and the plumbing's just uh, like just a mess, like piping everywhere, different a whole bunch of different kinds. Um, what I usually call them is like non-standard fittings, right? I don't want to call it out as, you know, this amateurish or whatever, but if people are using, you know, duct tape to hold plumbing fixtures together, then that's the sort of thing that, you know, okay. these, these things okay. aren't going to last, yeah, right? Yeah. Or, or caulking. People think caulking is like glue. It's not. It's just meant to bridge the gap between two materials, but it's not really structural. So if you're seeing a lot of caulking around something, that means they had a leak, didn't know what to do with yeah. it, and caulked it. Didn't you do the home inspection of my family home right now? And we found underneath, I think it's the uh, powder room or whatever you call the main floor bathroom sink. I think there was caulking. Yeah. I don't know if you remember. There was like caulking all around the bottom of like yeah. the, the I, piping. I probably called it a non-standard uh, yeah, repair. Yeah, maybe you did. I don't know. We still bought the hose. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It didn't stop us, but that's since been gutted. Yeah. But, like, uh, and that's the thing. A lot of times, if you kind of step back, a lot of this minor stuff, it looks funny and yeah. you know crazy when you're there but in the reality what is it like 30 40 dollars so, i remember when we were buying that house the market was so hot in oakville right on that street and we we literally had two streets we can move into this guy hadn't listed this house i called him said listen let me come by i'm gonna make you a solid offer and i'm like i just want to do a home inspection but i'm not making this pending on the home inspection i just yeah. want it for my own knowledge yeah. we did it and when i called the guy back i'm like listen i'm proceeding but i'm just gonna list off the things that are wrong with your house and i still to this day i don't know why i did that but i listed off all the things yeah and I think I was just trying to say, hey, man, like your house is not perfect. Yeah. This price I'm paying is a pretty good price. Let's not back out here. Let's That's right. proceed. Otherwise, you're going to have to deal with all this crap if you get some other uh, and, buyer. Right? And now you know, right? Yeah, like now you can't you, just like turn totally. a blind eye yeah, 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 right? Yeah. So. But, uh, okay, so the, the plumbing, the the um, the furnace, is there anything? We once did a, a rent-to-own um, with an investor from British Columbia. We were doing this remotely. He bought a property in Hamilton. This is before we knew you, Stu. And this furnace was like 32 years old. And oh, we're like, wow. hey, during the home inspection, yeah. I was actually jumping on the roof um checking the soft spot yeah. there's a soft spot and this is the most ridiculous thing like totally not recommended like if there's a soft, soft spot on the roof don't go on the roof that's right and, and dress shoes yeah and start jumping up and down on the roof to see how solid it is but that's what i did right i'm like I'm t- i don't know i checked out the soft spot that the inspector found and i think it's pretty good um so we proceeded with the roof but the furnace i remember telling him i'm like hey, it's 32 years old this furnace is you know this could go on us anytime but um we always tell investors look you're never going to find the 10 out of 10 house you're, you're looking for like the eight out of 10 that's there's it. always going to be a couple things yeah. that are like not right. The rest of the house had a one soft spot on the roof, but the shingles were, were good. Yeah. And this furnace is old. So we proceeded. He did a, a three-year rent-to-own. Tenants actually bought this particular property out. Furnace was fine the whole time. Yeah. And both him and I the whole time were just crossing our fingers oh, thinking, please let yeah. this furnace. But sometimes you get these furnaces that just run and run and run. It's like old cars. So the older furnaces, they didn't make the metal as thin as they make the new stuff. So there's more meat to an old furnace. So it's crazy inefficient compared to the modern stuff, but it's a much better mechanically system. So it's simpler, uh, stronger. So yeah, you can have a furnace that's, you know, 45 and I love them. I love coming in and go, Oh my God, this is, it's like seeing a 1957 Bel Air or something like it's just a vintage classic quality, but, uh, it's built like a tank. Like it's, it's probably structural to the house now. It's so, you know, yeah, yeah. And then you come to these newer houses and newer furnaces and it's, it's all optimization. So it's what I'm a furnace manufacturer. What can I save some pennies on? Oh, yeah. the heat exchanger. Right. So then you get, 
Is that why they always crack? I feel like they're always cracking. That's or it. Yeah, it's the heat thermal cycles: hot, cold, hot, cold, and then it just cracks the heat exchanger, and then your furnace is. And it's basically. pricey to change those up. Yeah. I think right now is it Reliance? Someone has a pretty good plan where it's like ten bucks a month or something to ensure all that I, stuff. I, you know, I stay away from all the the warranty companies just because I'm usually more comfortable looking after it myself. Uh, and ironically, I just forked over three thousand dollars to a furnace guy yesterday. Uh, for one of my, because it would just, it would, it would stop, start, stop, start. And I'm like, I'm tired of chasing. Is this for a family home or, or one of the rental or units? And a rental property, do you put in high, like, I don't know. Yeah. It's all, like right now, high efficiency is the only thing you can buy. And then the, now there's like levels of furnace. So you can get like the Cadillac one with, you know, 98% flu efficiencies and it'll call you on your phone if it's having a hard day, you know, like that kind of, but I just got middle of the road. Got it. You know, yeah. Like it's going to last 15, 20 years. Yeah, got it. I don't need my furnace sending me a text message. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> okay. And, um, okay, so the furnace. The other thing I want to talk about the basement is if it's drywalled, Nick and I are obviously paranoid about moisture. So we're looking at the grading outside. We're yeah. looking at the eaves troughs. Now, the, sorry, the downspouts and the eaves troughs. Actually, another property we had had an eaves trough built um, with so much leaves and stuff in it. Yeah. The water started Just piling push. over yep. and it ended up being a foundation problem yeah. because of the water building up there. I had to go with a tarp and a rainstorm and kind of just put it over the grass to try to get, to get the, away. Yeah, I remember yep. being at the side of the house with a tenant's looking through the window like, who's this poor soul out there? I'm like, hey, you know, I it's was, Mr. Real Estate Guy. I was just at a house on Sunday again because of the rain we had and it was, it was like a $5 million house. So it's not like, you know, they're hard for resources. But it was the exact same thing, full of leaves from that. Because remember, we had that really kind of weird winter show up three days after the, the leaves That's turned right. color. Yeah, yeah. So all their gutters were full, full of ice, full of leaves. And it was just spilling over like a little mini Niagara Falls. And then their weight room was flooded. Yeah, it, it's these little things that you don't think of that yeah. cause huge damage, yeah. right? Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, so we were out there, caused a problem and stuff. So we're always worried about that kind of stuff. How do you have a, like a like are these moisture meters that I can put on drywall? Are they pretty good? Do you is that something you yeah, use? So they, You've used that in the past, yeah, I feel. Yeah, so there's there's uh, different ones. Like you can get one at Canadian Tire for thirty bucks, but okay. it's, it's meant for wood. So it's it's been calibrated to adjust for the moisture content of wood. Okay. So I've got one that's a little bit more advanced, where it's it's calibrated for a wider range of materials. So I'll use that. And that's, that's the be all end all. That's like, you're right on the spot. Um, I'll also use an infrared, but in a basement, it's not as telling because where the water is right at the very base of the wall is actually the coldest spot in the room as well. So when you hold an infrared camera up to it, it shows blue or dark blue, which is cold, but it could also be wet. Oh, so you can't distinct. I remember, uh, one uh, home inspector that we use in the past, you again, not you, told us they got an <laughs> infrared camera. This is before we knew you. Finally, we stumbled into you. You didn't find us. We had to wait to find you. Dude. Right. Where were you? Um, they told us they got an infrared camera, and we but went to a home inspection. He pulled it out. It was like one of the um, the latest models of an iPad, oh, and he put okay. it on X-ray mode, which was just like a toy. Like it, yes. it's just a way. And he yeah. held it up on the wall, and he was trying to tell us this iPad oh, was an God. infrared camera, and then he. <laughs> came to the office like a week later to show our whole team this infrared camera and we're all looking at each other like does this guy realize this ipad with this setting isn't an infrared camera oh and he God. held it up to my wife's leg and he said L look i can see your bones oh my through your through God. uh through, through this ipad on infrared mode. anyway that we didn't use the guy after that but uh anyway oh. uh so the the moisture meter you have is the way to go right is that like that two-prong yeah, thing that so you actually push into there's there's two ways so the one's got a the one i 
I have has got the actual prongs, which actually goes right in the material. And then it's got a kind of a sensor at the back that's basically like a magnetic. So if there's in a situation like in a $5 million house, I am not poking holes in the wall because these people get upset and they've got lawyers. So uh, I usually use the non-contact one, but it's not as accurate. So it gives you a sense of what's going on. So if you're, you know, you drag this thing across the wall, um, it, it'll chirp at you if there's water, but you don't 100%, it could be a nail. Right, it's because of males. Got it. Okay, so the ones that, the, but the holes are tiny. They're not big they're, little they're holes. But so if you're concerned, you can punch that in, and you think that's pretty accurate. Yeah. The, when as soon as those pins go in the wall, it's it's basically like eyes on that particular spot. And, okay. And it's bad because well, not bad, but um, some of the agents now know like they'll just kind of look around and I I can see that they're listening but they're not watching. And that thing will squeal when it hits 100%. And they're like, oh. And you can see them deflate. Yeah, got oh. it. Oh, there's nothing worse than finding <laughs> that. I mean, sometimes the basements are finished so nicely yes. and everything. And you find yeah. the moisture in there. And uh, yeah. no one believes you. The seller doesn't believe there's moisture. Because sometimes you don't even see it. Yeah. And then you, you, that's a big problem. So you're negotiating on that. Yeah. It's it's painful for all parties, for sure. Yeah. And okay. then it's the solution. Everybody wants to know, how do I fix this? And in, you know, in a precast foundation where it's typically a crack, you know, it, it's probably 95%, but in a block foundation could be a few things and it's like stone or brick, there is no fix other than like waterproofing of some description, assuming you've done, you know, uh-uh. everything outside. Yeah, on one of Nick's block foundation homes, we uh, we had to dig it out by hand because he couldn't afford to pay for a company to do it. So we dug it out actually by hand, which sounds now ridiculous, yeah. except we've done it multiple times in multiple houses. <laughs> but we dug it out and then did the waterproofing because we're like, okay, we got to just fix this properly yeah. and then change the grading. And then, you know, that got it fixed. Uh, uh, on one property, him and a buddy of his did it. They dug it out by hand and they closed up. <laughs> It closed up the house, but there was a pipe coming from outside the house that they forgot to reseal. Oh, so there was no. a pipe going through like the block hole. foundation with the, and they didn't like <laughs> recock it or whatever it was. And so like two weeks later, they, they're like, what the heck? The basement's leaking again. And then they cut open the drywall and they realized they didn't cock that thing. They had to dig down again. It was a big disaster. I'm like, guys, you, you waterproof, but you forgot to like just close up. Two inch hole. Yeah. Anyway. Um, we've all been through that kind of stuff. And it's funny when like we tell all these horror stories and then the very next thing I always say to people is like, you know, would you still do this? Like, this is like, I'm talking, I'm out of my, I remember you guys always have the saying, you're like one of a group of 10 and you're kind of like your peers. I'm like, I'm the only one in my circle that's doing this. So we'll sit down on Friday and have a few drinks and I'll tell them a a vent on the odd horse. And I'm like, why do you do that? I'm like, are you kidding me? I would never not do this. This is amazing. Yeah. We always figure like, hey, for the amount of hours we spend dealing with the pain of real estate, if you you take the cash flow and any equity and any appreciation for that given year and you divide it by the hours spent dealing with the problems, it is very, yeah, Yeah. it's very lucrative to deal with real estate. And that's what most people don't see because it's fun to talk about it uh, maybe it shouldn't be fun but it's kind of fun to talk about the problems like <laughs> Stu, what happened at your bar oh my god check this out yeah. but none of us really go around at the same breath and say well that uh, property went up a hundred thousand yeah, last no, year exactly. or something like that or the last exactly. three years or four years but uh the t- horror yeah. stories are more fun yeah totally yeah okay so moisture in the basement we talked about the furnace plumbing electrical oh, windows windows um is there something that's kind of cueing you because windows are an expensive replacement are, uh, yep. you know is there something a couple things that you look at in general you know i typically tell people that if the window open and closes and keeps the rain out lets the light in that's its only job so again it's where i get these new investors coming oh i want to put all new windows in i'm like that's not going to pay you back so if if my advice to people is 
you know, if you don't like the windows, that should be really far down your list of throw money at a house because it doesn't pay you back. Uh, it doesn't add value really. Um, so just make sure they work, make sure they work the way they're supposed to. And they're not hazardous, like dangerous, you know, when you've got those, um, double sliders that would go up and then would slam down like the ones I grew up with in, in my house. Um, so if you have those, yeah, maybe fix them, but if they go up and, and hold their own, that's all they need to do. I feel like on my, my home growing up in Mississauga, I didn't even have a glass. I felt like the part of it was plastic <laughs> that like, that it was a plastic see-through window part that like opened and closed. I don't know. Yeah. The rest was glass, but the movable part was like, anyway. Okay. So windows, you don't get your money back. We agree. What about if you see moisture building up on all the windows? Is that a sign for some, you know how you go into some houses yeah. and on the inside there's moisture everywhere. What's going on in that situation? So usually there's a couple things. It's uh, too much moisture in the house. So usually people either have, you know, humidifiers running plants or whatever, or, or newer housing they're just very well sealed and then you've got kind of lower builder quality windows so they're very drafty they're cold so as soon as that moist warm air from the house hits the window it sweats um, and what I actually did on mine is I actually opened up a four inch hole on the side and brought that air into the duct system like before the furnace to bring in fresh air and get out fresh air so the newer housing like new code requirements have what's called an HRV and it's designed to do that. It's supposed to be kind of cycling the air so you don't get that moisture buildup. But a lot of houses don't have that. So it's usually a two-pronged thing. You can get better windows that would do it for quite a bit more money. Um, but you can try and control the moisture in the house as well. Yeah, okay. So if you're running a humidifier, from, you know, maybe kind of just turn that thing down so there's not so much moisture. Exactly. And just make sure, like, a lot of times, you know, people have a shower and the fan's running for just the time they're in the shower. But if you can oh, get it put, it, put a timer on it so it runs for 35, 40 minutes to get all of that extra moisture. Yeah, out. yeah. And even in my house now, I leave the fan. I think I probably drive Carol crazy. I leave the fan running because I'll just leave all it. Day. Yeah, I just, I just leave the house with the fan running. I'm like, I don't care. Let's get this moisture out of here. But OK, got it. Yeah. Got so and, you know, it, it, again, when you when you go into like a triple pane, argon filled, et cetera, et cetera, kind of window, you're probably not going to have that problem. But you've also spent thirty thousand dollars on new windows. Mm -hmm. So there has to be a point where good is good enough. So it, it's kind of a personal thing. Like okay. I, in probably mid February, I do get a little bit of water kind of in the windows. Cause we, at night you close the blinds and you know, and all that moisture is trapped in that little bubble between the blind and the window. Uh, and, but just repeat what you're doing there about the four inch hole. I'm not sure I understand how that helps. You're cutting a hole where on the intake. So yeah. So it's basically on the exterior wall. And I got this idea. There's a company that actually has a box in your basement and I'll, and I'll have to uh, give a shout out to my buddy, Tom. He's got one built into his house, but all it's doing is basically bringing in fresh air and exhausting, you know, not like the the moisture in and the this house. is something you can retrofit into your house right so I'll, I'll have to get them and if anybody asks i can i can look it up but it's basically kind of like a a, a low-tech air exchange system and so, that helps with that yeah so it brings with the fresh dry air because in the wintertime the air outside is very very dry uh, so it brings it in and it's actually going to kind of reduce a little bit of that moisture. Got it. Cause the house in your, the air in your house is moist that you're pulling in the dry air just to balance that out a little right. bit. Huh? I don't think I've ever heard of that. Cool. Yeah. Okay. So I, I can get that information if you're, if you're wondering, cause it, it's, he actually went like the, the more professional route and actually had a box installed in his basement. And that's all the net effect is it's bringing in 11% air per et cetera, et cetera. It's like this little yeah. math, math formula. So I just tried to clutch one together on my own. So I didn't tell the wife. 
Yeah, no, cool. <laughs> I don't know what's going down in your going on down in your basement. You got all these things happening. Yeah. But uh, okay, and we're gonna hand out your URL at the end. So if you're listening to this and you want to reach out to Stu for this or any other yep, stuff, absolutely. you'll be able to find him. Um, so uh, moisture, okay, furnace, windows, we covered. That's usually, I think, the main. Am I forgetting one of the main components of a house? I think that's the main things we're usually looking at. Yeah. It, one time, I, I think you already had the conversation about Kitech, but I just had the conversation with a young couple this morning again about Kitech. So it's a plastic kind of piping. So. Um, that's another one that's on the yeah. radar. Okay, can you just refresh everybody on that? If you haven't heard about this plumbing, you should know. Yeah, why. so it's a, it's a plastic pipe. It's usually like a bright orange or a bright blue. You'll actually see Kitech or XPA, like literally XPA marked on the fittings. And uh, it's, it's a plastic pipe with an aluminum liner. And that aluminum reacts with the brass and the fittings. And it creates a reaction. And then it basically pops the pipe right at the, the joints. And from what I understand, it's these things look like they're a bit of a problem because eventually they pop and you don't want to be on vacation when it pops exactly. and flood your basement or who yep. knows what, right? Yep. So it's a big class action lawsuit and there's there's a whole kind of slew of manufacturers. So it isn't necessarily Kitech per se. There's also one Plombier Ameliore, like a French fancy one. But uh, anyways, it just there's a, there's a bunch on this kind of class action lawsuit and they're all equally disdained by plumbers and insurance companies. Okay, so and so your home inspector should be aware of this right. stuff. We should be asking about this right. kind of stuff. So if you're okay. if you're seeing it, that's gonna come up. Um, you know, I was just at a house in Burlington and it was thirteen thousand dollars. All new plumbing. No way, really? Yeah. So that's because it was full of this type it of was, plumbing. That was just when it was so it was it was installed I think mid nineties to mid That's what I understand, like two thousand seven That's right. Yeah. 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 So yeah, got it. Okay. And I mean they weren't having any problems. Like it was just, it was there, um, but now it's got a stigma attached to it. No one will buy it with, with that in But there. there is other plumbing that looks like that plumbing that's totally right. fine, correct? Right, exactly. So it, it can look, because I remember when they started swapping out copper plumbing for this, I thought it was brilliant. I was like, oh my gosh, these guys are making oh, a killing because yeah. they're not using copper anymore and yeah. all the welding and stuff that you have to do oh. with copper piping. I personally didn't want that in my own house, but I was like, <laughs> yeah, this is kind of pretty cool. But now we're seeing these kinds of problems. Right. But there are other ones, if you're listening to this, that look like this plastic type right. plumbing, plumbing that are fine. Right. So okay. PEX, just standard PEX plumbing. It's just plastic. Um, it's got the same, you know, heat rating and everything else. It's just, it's the same coloring. It's a little darker red, a little darker blue, but it's not obvious to the average person which okay. one you have. So after how many years, how did you even, I didn't even ask you this. How'd you get into doing home inspections? So actually it was a friend of mine. He actually had an inspection done. We were sitting around having a few drinks and he's like, you could totally do this. And I was like, really? So he was describing, you know, what this guy, and I'm like, you know, at the time you're, you're sitting, I'm sitting, I'm living in that, uh, you ever seen that movie office space? I was that, that movie where, you know, I had four different managers. Um, yeah, I'm going to need you to come in on a Saturday, you know, like that kind of thing. So I was like, yeah, you know, I'm going to, so I, I went to, um, uh, I don't remember what college now and, uh, got, did some courses and then I got hired by a company in Toronto that that's all they do. And then I did the on-job training and it was, I think. 250, 400 houses a year looking at. I did that for five years and then went on my own. How many houses do you think you've looked at? It's got to be uh, thousands now. Thousands. Probably. For us, for, just for Rockstar yeah. alone, it's got to be <laughs> it's probably over a thousand. It must be probably over a thousand it, homes for Rockstar. It's certainly since. So I started uh, full time 2006. So I want to say around five or 6,000. I always want to. You ever seen those guys with the, the uh, billboards and they always say, oh, you know, $14 billion yeah. in houses yeah, sold? Yeah, I'd yeah. love to do yeah, that. 8,000 yeah. homes inspected. <laughs> yeah. But uh, how do you think we, how did we even cross paths? So I, it was funny, you guys sent out that, that flyer that, you know, the kind some of, of our marketing propaganda, yeah, some of the, mar okay. yeah, yeah. The propaganda found the, you. The okay, propaganda 
Once we got our claws into you, man, we're not going to give up. Yeah, and yeah. then uh, I came to the seminar. I was like, you know what? This this. Were you coming to yell at us? Some people come just to yell nope, at us. No, I, okay. I came with them. My, my wife did not come with them. I was going to tell you. That. <laughs> Whenever I see a couple come into our introductory <laughs> session, I was like, who dragged who here? That's right. I know someone dragged the other person here. Who is it? Who am I dealing with? Yeah, so we actually had, we called our parents in. They, they babysat the kids. We came and sat through the seminar. And I was like, this is, this is speaking to me, right? So then I was like, okay, this is what I want to do. And she's like fine you can do it with your own money yeah you know kind of thing and i was like fine so i cashed in my rsv no you didn't i did i cashed it in and uh, and if anybody wants to talk about how i did that and without paying well i still paid the tax man but i certainly tried to you know manage my i did the same thing i did it at five thousand dollar increments i had to do a dollar less or five thousand even because one dollar less was it one dollar less because when i did i did it basically to fund me quitting corporate canada and i cashed in all my rsp to start rockstar and i think when i discovered i think i called i I guess it was td or royal bank i can't remember and and i said i'm gonna cash in some rsp and they're like well we we withhold taxes at the source here because it's rsp i'm like what i'll report that they're like no the government man and i'm like how much tax are you holding back? And they're like, well, if you take out over 20,000, it's this, over 10,000, this. And if it's under 5,000, we hold back, I want to say 5%. 10%. Was it 10%? Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, 500 bucks. That sounds right. Yeah, 10%. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, I will do $4,995 or whatever it yeah. is. And then I called back the next day. And did it again. And I'm like, I would like to take out 4,000. Yeah. I could just hold back the minimum. And then my income was dropping so fast because I had quit right. my job. It actually wasn't that big of a tax hit. It, it was now your income. It was now my income. Yeah. So I was like, uh, I, at one point, the government thought I was so poor after I quit that I was getting like GST. I didn't even ask for this stuff. I don't know if the accountant checks a box or something. I was like getting GST rebates and stuff. I think the government thought this poor guy, and it, and I did go through a few lean, like, the, yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, you know, I went from making well into six figures to basically like the accountant. Food stamps. Basically, it was it was a rough few years starting Rockstar and doing this whole thing. It was with two kids and a wife yeah, and a mortgage. Oh yeah. I'm surprised she let you away with it. But well, she I don't know how Carol supported me so much. But looking back, I'm like, you're crazy for supporting. What did you do? But it saved my life. Right. Like I couldn't. No, I I have absolutely zero. And it was funny too when you say with that that reaction at the bank. They're like, oh, it's their whole tone. Tone. Like, you're not going to do this. Really? You're RSP. Are you sure yeah. you want to sacrifice totally, yeah. your life in this manner, sir? I'm like, oh, um, uh, yeah, I'll be all right. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, Thanks yeah. for your concern. I'll make it. And I remember just thinking even back then, and uh, now I've done more research into the economy and stuff, and I'm like, wait a second. Taxes only seem to be going up. Yeah. The dollars only seem to be will, uh, being worth less and less. I'm just going to take these out now because yeah. I'm being taxed at the lowest amount now, and they're worth the most right now. That's right. So I'm not going to leave it in this system. And that's what made me kind of take it out. I'm sure someone, some financial planner listening to this having a heart attack yeah. as we speak, but <laughs> I don't care. That's what we did. So my experience was, so I took out, and I'll throw numbers, I took out $50,000 and I paid, you know, whatever it was in, in fees or 10% per thing. And then the house that I bought is now worth 300000 more than what I paid for it. And no that way. was in 2013. Yeah, so you took out 50,000 of RSP, paid the tax, and the house that you used for uh, buy, the, to buy to buy is worth $300,000 right. more. So would my 50,000 in 2013 be now worth 300,000? Yeah. Probably not. No, but the way the stock market's firing up with all this well, QE, maybe, maybe maybe for a brief point of time yeah. before it all comes tumbling I, down. That whole I I tried the stock market once and what a disaster. Oh my god, I spent 2 years. I spent a full 2 years. I I feel like it was 2003, 2004, so like after I went through the tech boom, lost a bunch then. I'm like, I'm going to figure out the stock market. I started trade doing the day trading day thing. Trading, I got yeah. into option trading. 
Um, and I was doing that for a couple of years and I just felt like I was a bit on a treadmill. Yeah. Like I couldn't really break. No, like, no big the, hits. Right? No big hits in the amount of time I was starting to spend. And, yeah. being, and then I remember looking, I'd already owned rental properties back then. I remember just looking at this rental property. I'm like, wait a second. What am I doing here? Yeah. I just need to buy more of these yeah. suckers. Um, yeah. Not saying that you can't be very successful at that yeah, kind of, you absolutely can. And everyone's different. Whatever your cup of what tea is. What I always is. say is if you're going to dedicate the time to learn it and how to do it, then you'll probably be successful at it. But I was not absolutely. that person. The same here. So, absolutely. I so agree. I, I was, I was, you know, doing the job and looking after the kids and, you know, yeah, but I think you need to go through that too because I did a bit of that. I did some search engine optimization stuff. I started some online businesses. Like I was, I was in that exploring. You're dabbling. Yeah. Dabbling. I, I needed yeah. to go through that for my own kind of sanity, yeah. you know, and then I eventually Rockstar kind of hit, you yeah. know. Um, what when uh, just getting back to real estate um, with inspections? What are the uh, anyone any, any investors ever freak out on you? Or oh my have you, god! You know, or, the question I always get is, "Would you buy this house?" And it's usually. You oh know, my gosh, you've got their this, financial future is yeah, in your hands. You can see them wringing their hands and like, oh my God, would you buy this? <laughs> so, and I always tell people, look. I shouldn't laugh. It's a big decision, It is a man. big decision, but it. But what, you know now that the answer is likely that they should. They if, it, if it's should. a good cash flowing little property. But right? there's been situations, and I'll be full disclosure. There's been situations where I wouldn't wish this house on their worst <laughs> enemy. And, oh. and, and the person doesn't ask that question. Oh no. Because they're, and they, they're and, full steam ahead. They buy it. And whether they have a success or not, I don't know. But then on the opposite side, there's people that walk away from houses I would sell a kidney for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Got it. And yeah. they're stressing out, oh, the paint colors and the floor we have to do. And I'm like, you've lost the, yeah, yeah, you've yeah. Lost the force. So yeah. that question where, you know, would I do this or would I do it has no real bearing. Yeah, you know, yeah, like people ask it. me thinking they want it from a home inspector's choice. Like, you know, would this, would you buy this out? And there's times where I'm like, absolutely. But generally I'm pretty honest. So. Which is good. I mean, yeah, and like, that's why I think we get along with you. The whole team here at Rockstar loves working with you. When I told everyone that I was interviewing you on a podcast, everyone's like, oh my gosh, Stu. Like everybody loves you. <laughs> and I think you do just such a great job of sharing the pros and the cons right, it's, in a it's very a, fair manner. Yeah, you've got to have you've got to have the full picture. So like I said, people will, will buy stuff and I, I can tell you horror stories about some things people have bought. But um, it's, it's as long as they have the picture, as long as they can make their own decision based on the information I give them, and I try and give them as much as I can in the time we have together, then I feel like they're making the decision that's right for them. Yeah, yeah. it's that freak out that's hard. Yeah. When when investors start to freak out like that, it's it's almost like they're looking for a way out of the deal yeah. and you have to let them go. Yeah. Everyone's got to go yeah. their own journey, right? Yeah. You, you let them let them go. One of the, I'm having flashbacks now because I wish we had you through one of our properties that had, <laughs> now listen to this, Stone Foundation, yeah. Stone, yeah. Stone, okay? <laughs> but finished basement. So Stone oh. Foundation, finished basement. Um, knob and tube wiring, asbestos insulation, chimney cracked, um, rug carpet, not that this matters, but like with so much dust in it that when you stepped on it, I felt like there was like, yeah. like you know, on a nice sandy beach where yeah. you might step in the sand, like there was <laughs> dust coming out of, out of this thing. Electrical wires oh. running through plumbing next to water where you just knew, like even me, not a home inspector as a 20 year old yeah. looking at this stuff thinking this is wrong. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And no, that one didn't have an oil tank. We had we have oil tank. We still have one property left with an oil tank. We just had to have it inspected. Yeah, if you believe it, it. yeah. As long as they let it go, yeah, yeah, carry yeah. On, totally. right? We're we're in the middle of getting that one out this spring. We're gonna swap that one out. That's the that's the last oil tank. Situation. My first student rental, my bedroom 
was the escape route was over top of the oil tank. I no, actually, I had to actually shimmy over the oil. And I was like, man, the times sure have changed. Oh my gosh. One of the student rentals by Mac that one of my friends was staying at. And I guess I would have been around 19 or 20 when I went down to this. This is actually what got me interested in, in rentals, not this situation. Right. But when I started doing the math on the, some of these properties, um, you had to go through the furnace room to get to his bedroom. So like you went through <laughs> someone's bedroom who was next to the furnace, the furnace, you opened a door, then you had to crawl between like the wall and like the furnace and he had a little towel hanging that like gave him some privacy and you kind of moved the towel and then there was this other room behind the furnace that was literally oh I would just God. call a storage area right. that was his bedroom and he's like I'm getting a great deal on this and I'm like dude you better be getting a great deal on this one. but you know what you. The, the crazy part is we thought it was so cool yeah. we were like this is awesome man <laughs> he's having some beers back there I'm like this is ugh. no like one's a, gonna find you like back the here cave, right? yeah yeah but uh, all right, cool. Um, I'm trying to think. I think we covered most on the home inspection that I wanted to cover. Anything else on your mind as far as home um, inspection goes that we need to be covering? You know, I, I, I think a lot of it, I just, I wish people when they, my advice is when you come to a home inspection, come to the home inspection. So pay attention. Like I know you've got a lot of stuff going on, but I'm there for an hour and a half, two hours, whatever you need. Pay attention. So I, you know, I've got this one guy and I still remember him. Every other word. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just dismissing you. Just dismissive. And I'm like, well, you know, fine. I'm going to do what I need to do, but don't come back to me or don't freak out about something that I clearly explained to you, you know, later. Or, you know, a lot of times too, people will bring their parents and, and I, you know, love it. Bring your parents, whatever. But at the same time, I don't want to go toe to toe with your dad who knows everything because yeah, I'm not going to back down. I'm there. You're, you're hiring me for my opinion. You're going to get it. Um, but I don't want to be wasting my time. Oh man, you've been in some toe toes. Oh, eh? oh yeah, it's like <laughs> like there's this girl buying a condo in Burlington, and her dad come in, and he's like, "Oh my god, what what kind of nonsense!" And I was like, "Dude, like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. you try and be diplomatic, not the time and place, yeah, yeah." But you know what? She's she's buying her first place. It's not your first place. It's her first place. So let's you know, yeah, yeah, right, yeah, but, totally. And I think some of those parents they mean so well, but the the delivery of it is so wrong, and and it's the wrong time. Like yeah. regroup after the home inspection, right. have a little powwow, discuss the pros and cons. Exactly. But when people get into home inspectors' face, or so like your face, like yeah. in the middle of it, whereas as if like you're selling them the property right. or something, exactly. it's tough. And I think something I learned about home inspectors that I didn't know at first is that really, and to be fair to you, you can only see what you can see. You That's have these it. moisture meters yeah. and stuff like that, but there's stuff that you just can't see behind the walls sometimes. It's a visual inspection. It really is yeah. a, a, a visual inspection. And it, it, it's why I find some, um, you know, home inspectors are better than others. And we really, this is, you know, truly we've appreciated it over the years, the way you've handled everything and dealt with uh, rockstar members and investors and the way you've been able to share information and share your experience after your six, seven or 8,000 homes or whatever. Like this has really been valuable because it, although it is a visual inspection, when you have so much experience, sometimes little cute, it's like detective work, right? It's yeah. Detective work. You yeah. see something in the shingles, yep. you see something in the insulation, you know, and you can give your opinions. It's right. really, really valuable. Yep. So just really want to thank you kind well, of you're very the way you've done. Yeah. It's, it's, we feel fortunate that we've crossed paths with you. Yeah, well, that's good. And I'm, I'm glad, like I said, this is a mutually beneficial uh, situation because I'm, I've got, you know, six houses and I've, more financially stable than I've ever been really. Awesome. And, and I credit that to the whole real estate thing. 
but it also it let me network with people, right? Like, so I have the unique advantages. I can meet all the different rock star coaches. You're in a really unique situation because, uh, yeah, you get to see a lot of what investors are buying in yeah. all different cities and, and, and stuff. my first one, it was actually, it was, I was, so I did an inspection for an investor. It was in Cambridge. And uh, I was like, why am I not buying this house? <laughs> And I'm like knocking on the guy's door. Get me yeah, that yeah, house. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, it's the we were just talking in our Monday team meetings. The whole team gets together every Monday and we go through properties. And it's the way we try to protect rock star members too. I don't know if you know we, we do this, but if a rock star investor buys a property, we record it on a list. And until they have a tenant, we review that every Monday at our team meeting to make sure they're yep. generating the lead. You know, that's kind of the way we protect them, Making the business, sure, everything. Yep. Yeah. And uh, it came up that um, recently a couple people, you know, late 50s, early 60s had been very successful with their income, super high incomes, but they never accumulated any assets. And they've been coming to our team and saying, hey, you know, I, I screwed up. I made a killing my whole life. Right. But now I'm at this age and I don't have any assets to support me. I really should have been buying something. And I think that's something that I feel like is just missing in our school system somewhere. It's like, hey, have a good career. Enjoy your career. You can work a beautiful nine to five job and it'll keep you happy for the rest of your life. Absolutely. But use your income to either build or buy some assets in your life. You'll yeah. regret it if you don't. Every older person, woman, man, everyone that I've met has reflected back on their finances saying to me I just wish I bought more assets yeah, and you don't yeah. have to buy real estate you don't have to listen to this and buy real estate yeah, but yeah. Just, just buying something. some assets so the fact that you have some properties now and we all have problems we're screaming this message we really mean it like we think it's a path to we don't financial independence yeah, right? and, like and, I, I feel like I'm not beholden to the man full air quotes right and, I, and I'm and I'm trying to pass it on to the kids now too like so if I've got to go to a tenant and, you know, the dogs peed all over the carpet. And, and again, you know, people ask me, this happens to me. And I, I, yeah, I'll go buy another one tomorrow if I could. But anyway, so I bring my kids there and I'm like, okay, we're ripping this carpet. And they're like, oh my God. I'm like, hey. And then I explain to them the whole financial picture. So it's not about, you know, going to a job, do nine to five. Sometimes there's things that are a little offbeat, but look at the reward, right? Totally. Like it, it's a different way to approach you know, your life. I feel like it's almost like a hack to your financial future. Like, Hey, get a property or two, like get two properties. Yeah. That's it. Get two, get yeah. one, get one, get something. That, just yeah. that one way change your whole financial life. Like when you said that I brought my son, I guess he was like, he's, he's turned, he's about he's 17 now. going to turn 18, but he was probably 10. I took him to a property. We we're having problem with a duplex situation. Person in the basement had people living there. They shouldn't. Yeah. And it was, uh, this, this particular property, I don't want to say the address, but it's around. <laughs> and, uh, I, I said, Hey, Aiden, you're coming with me. We go and uh, and I, I knew it was going to be a confrontation. So I'm yeah. like, I wanted to see this, but I wanted to be safe as well. Yeah. But uh, I knock on the basement door. I'm like, Aiden, stand back here. And they crack open the door a little bit. I'm saying, and, and I shouldn't have done this now looking back. But I'm like, hey, I'm hearing that there's other people living in this house. Who else is in this house? And I'm trying to look through the little crack. Get your foot the in the door. wrong way to, to go about things. Like I should have filed the proper paperwork yeah, and yeah. gone through it. But at that time, uh, you know, that's how I was handling things. And he saw that and he walked away. He's like, dad, this is crazy. And I'm like, yes. And son, we own own this craziness we this own is, it that's <laughs> right but uh anyway we ended up getting that tenant out and the whole bit got handled and like to your point i tell when when some people hear me talk like that they're like holy smoke so i guess you wouldn't get into real estate oh, you don't advise that like, no you doing absolutely that? Yeah, yeah that particular property is almost doubled in value yeah. and yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're we're golden and but, then i was talking to some friends actually just over christmas and they're like yeah but how many houses i was like so i got six houses and they're like oh my god the debt you must have and i'm like i guess 
you know, I never really thought of it that way. <laughs> I know. It's, and you know what? To be fair, in their defense, because I have friends that are similar, in their defense, when our generation was growing up, like I'm born in 1973. Same. Okay, you're 73 as well. Yeah. So when we were growing up, like when interest rates in the 80s, when our parents were like in their prime money-making years and yeah. interest rates are like 16, 17, 18%, yeah. debt was genuinely oh, bad. Yeah. It like was it, a thing. Yeah. It is a bad thing. Yeah. However, in the t- 2010, 2020 era, or even before, like 2000 to 20, uh, 2020, when when, when interest rates are this low, debt is a way to use the financial system yes. to your benefit. It's right. not something to be scared of when done smartly. Right. You know, not visa I just, debt. Cost of doing business. Cost really. of doing business. And you're right. I never think of it like that way too, uh, like that person said as well. But I know that where they're coming from. Yeah. Like I know they just have yeah. that. They've never really thought it through. But it was just about like they just, they were looking at it from that angle and I'm looking at it from, but look at the equity. Look at the, like I, I just, you know, I love it when I get those bank statements and they show you, oh, here's what you pay down like oh that is cool. I, I love put that a too penny on that i love that too yeah. i love the ones we have some where we have uh RBC has that home line yes, where, that it grows yes. like with the debt being paid yeah, down. And that's we didn't what even I need, just got. In the okay. Mail. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We didn't even get, we don't even use the credit line on that particular property and it started at zero. Yeah. But now I think, I don't know how much is available on that one. I Actually want, ours started at a penny and I, I think I, I, I think there's like some, you know, weird AI. This is like a, it's gotta be like a Joe Rogan podcast where they're like taking a penny from every single customer. And meanwhile, maybe. you know, it's yeah, yeah, a lot of pennies. These banks are making a lot of money on our fees. Yeah. To me, the bank, are the enemy i'm with you 100 <laughs> but i use them whenever i can That's right. but uh but yeah so that, I'm now you're making me think with the started a penny anyway i don't know what it's at now i can't even tell you i don't know if it's 40 80 Whatever. i don't know what it's at, but it's just like this beautiful it's thing free pile of money i'm like oh my gosh if we have to access this money here totally it is. and the equity in that probably is much more than that actually yeah. Yeah. but this is just like immediately available to us and i'm like oh this is amazing you could go on vacation totally yeah 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 <laughs> life is good totally life is good mm-hmm. but uh can you hand out so where's the best way uh you know best is the website yeah website's fine um stew at capstoneproperty.ca or uh, you can you can I guess call text on the cell 905-407-2289. Um, you know just it just reach out any way that's comfortable. And what geographical area do you cover in Char? You mostly I go where you guys go. Okay, which is so you're almost all around because I know we yeah. dragged you out to Scarborough on that one. Yeah, tribe, yeah. So actually, from um, starting was it December? My insurance company actually said, okay, no more Toronto. Okay, because it's it. it's the, the your your geographical area is too wide. No, the insurance rates. So as oh. soon as I get into the Toronto like area codes, the insurance. They oh, it's say, like cars. Yeah. Okay. They say we're not going to come here because your average house is going to be a million dollars. They're all going to sue because they sue everybody. Apparently, I guess that's what the insurance. So no more Toronto core for me. Um, and I I actually can't get out to Oshawa and all those other ones anymore just because it's too hard to get through Toronto all the way out there. But anything basically from Etobicoke to London, and then all the way out to I've been in Port Colborne. So, okay. Okay. You see Matt and Gino. Do you know Matt and Gino in Port Coburn? I don't. Oh, you don't know Matt and Gino? Long time so. Rockstar members yeah. live in Port Coburn. I okay. think I, I remember they have their own guy, which is fine. Oh, do they? As yeah, long yeah. As, as, you know, I always say, if you're going to get a home inspector, get one, get one, like get a good totally. one. Yeah. Uh, if it's not me, that's fine. I, yeah. I won't be too <laughs> like have thick skin. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But as long as he's decent, not just some guy, it's like, oh, like you always hear these guys, oh my God, I can't believe, you know, like, yeah. 
that's that's not yeah, what you should be yeah, hearing yeah, during yeah, a home yeah, inspection. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, I have so many flashbacks. Sorry, I know we're trying to wrap up here. This one home inspector thought we were doing, he was doing us a favor once and he's like, he turned to us and he's like, watch this. And the the <laughs> sellers were home and he started um, shaking the banister, uh, oh, going, up a, uh, going up like three stairs and saying, well, this is really a safety issue over here. And he started like shaking this thing back and forth, I guess to try to give us leverage to go back. Right. And, and I was like, oh my gosh, like we don't even operate that way. Like it's totally fine. You yeah, don't have to yeah. shake this banister. And I remember he's like, he was it. smiling and winking to us while he was doing this. I'm like, no, just got it, man. Just got it. We don't even need that. Thank you. We're good. We're good. Oh. But uh, okay. So capstoneproperty.ca. Yep. Stu. Thank you so much. Thank You're you for bringing welcome. in all this silver. This is amazing. I'm totally impressed. I'm, I think I'm slightly <laughs> jealous that I'm not doing this. Uh, thank you. And we'll have you on again. And uh, yeah, good chatting. Man. All right. Perfect. Thanks for having me. Hey, everyone. So hopefully you enjoyed that. You can reach out to Stu at capstoneproperty.ca. And remember, if you're listening to this and you want a copy of one of our books, you can go to rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash books. You're going to get the Income for Life book there, the Canadian Real Estate Investing Blueprint book there, the Your Life, Your Terms book there, and the Canadian Real Estate Investing Lessons from the Streets. All available for free. We sell these books on Amazon. You can buy them, but they're available for free at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash books. And if you are listening to these podcasts and enjoying some of this stuff and you feel we've earned a five-star review and some feedback on iTunes, if you could give us that, we totally appreciate it. We love getting that kind of feedback from the podcast. It helps motivate and guide us do more of these kinds of things. So if you feel we've earned it, we would definitely love to hear from you in that way. That's it for now. Until next time, your life, your terms.